simply life is no longer just about me. I vividly remember this one of my first days going back to the office after Max was born. I was changing his diaper that morning before work and I just thought, I want the world for you, buddy. I want you to be financially secure. I want you to feel loved. I just want you to be in a home where you feel like you have people around you that want to be around you and want the best for you. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. We're back. Let's go. (laughs) We are back with another Bring on the Men episode. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, my husband, Drew, and Abby's husband, Colin, opened up about partnership. And in this episode, we're specifically going to talk about parenting little kids. Drew might have said it best a few weeks ago when he said, dude, no one prepares you for these little kid years. Drew, are you still standing by that quote? And what is your biggest parenting challenge in the Kiefer household right now? I am 100% standing by that quote. (laughs) The biggest challenge in our household right now, I think, is the constant chaos, disorder, and noise. All of it collectively stresses me out. I don't feel like I really ever get to relax, which isn't true, but I just feel that way oftentimes. And it's just a lot for me to handle. I couldn't agree more, Drew. Our house is so loud and I feel like there's no end in sight (laughs) right now. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you feel the same way. It's nice when you can look at a tough situation and see light at the end of the tunnel. Right now, it's pure darkness. (laughs) No light. Dave, I think you and our boys have gotten Pitch (laughs) black. It's funny, too, because I can totally see the light. And so I think it's also the difference between our personalities We all know Drew tends to be a little bit more type A, like when he's in a room, he's just seeing the mess. He's Mm -hmm. he can be missing the moment, the like really special moment that's going on. So that's something that we definitely talk about. And we're trying to work through of like, Drew, how can you sometimes be really present in your parenting rather than, you know, we finish dinner and he wants to load the dishwasher immediately. I get it. But that's also the best time to play with the boy. So we're just trying to figure out how can we get Drew a little bit more enjoyment so he doesn't miss these really fun years. It was a past episode, Amy, where you talked about the same point and that one of the things that you did was you flipped roles where, Amy, you put the dishes away and then Drew, you got to play with the kids. Are you still doing that? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely willing to load the dishwasher and I do. I also think right now we're at the end of a really long winter. I mean, we're in Wisconsin for those people that don't live here. It is a long winter. And so Drew and I both feel like we're finally to the point where we're going to be outside. Drew's parenting thrives outside. Mm. Like he goes sledding and does all that, but it's not quite the same as like he will spend hours in the backyard with the boys, you know, spring, summer, fall. 
So I'm really excited to get back to that point because we definitely felt a little bit cooped up and then it is literally dark. So it's like we go through that winter time of a harder time of parenting. Yeah, Drew, there'd be times where you and I would be at the sledding hill at the same time with your three boys and my three kids. We're like, we both need this right now. Our personalities need this to be outside, to not see the mess, to be able to get the activity, get the sunlight and just be somewhere else besides our home. Yes, absolutely. What about for you, Colin? What's the biggest challenge for you right now? Yeah, it's funny because Drew and I have had enormous amount of conversations about this because Trey is going through kind of his thing, his phase, right? And my son, Micah, the middle child, is going through his phase and it's punching, right? It's yelling. It's I'm getting out of my bed five, six, seven, 20 times before he actually goes to bed at night. You're stupid, daddy. (laughs) Yeah, I get the S word a lot. And as much as I don't want him to say it, he knows it's a bad word. And so he says it more. Honestly, that's probably the biggest stressor in my Mm. life right now is unfortunately my son and that's the last person that i want to be a stressor and trying to be patient we've been practicing patient parenting as best as i can and of course i need to do a better job at this but you know i'm patient the first five six times when i bring him back to bed or the times he calls me stupid but it's the sixth seventh and eighth time where i'm not as patient anymore i don't know if you feel that same way yeah, can very much relate. And it's probably more like the second time rather than the sixth time for me where I, where I lose it, unfortunately, but can very much relate. And when you mentioned the phase that Trey and, and Mike are going through with Trey, I feel like it's going on about four years now, <laughs> although it has been getting yeah. gradually better, I think month by month over the past few. So is it just the phase itself? Uh, obviously things that you're doing, but is there anything that you're doing that's helped? I think with Trey acknowledging when he is doing well at something or just giving him the time to connect the two of you, whenever we're one-on-one, it's great. And it's just this weird dynamic of his brothers and mom and dad all being together collectively is what creates the most trouble for him. But if he has an opportunity to kind of shine his own light, that's Hmm. where he does well. Yeah, I think being parents of three, it's figuring out each one of them and how they individually need to be treated. So I feel like I've cracked Trey's code for, you know, quite a while. And I really have a great relationship with him. I know when he's getting mad, like you can just see it. So like Drew said, for him, it's a lot of positive affirmation that he needs and it's easy to give it to him. So it's just looking at these kiddos Just like we talked about last episode, looking at your partner, what do they need and how can you give that to them? Because if we give Trey what he needs, you know, we're setting him up for a much better day. Yeah, really good point. It was a week or two ago and I was making something in the kitchen and Trey was, I could tell he was kind of being a jerk in the living room. And so I just invited him to help me prepare whatever meal I was doing at the time. And that's something that he really enjoys and he likes to feel included. So that turned around his day almost instantaneously by me just asking if he wanted to help me make lunch. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to add value and to help. And so many times it can just be these simple, small changes, especially in these little kids' lives. Like that's a a huge, huge, exciting thing for him to be able to do. So it's a good reminder for 
for our audience, for me, honestly, to be like, it doesn't have to be this huge overnight thing that we're making a big change on. It can be these small little opportunities where we can make some movement here. And you guys brought this up in the partnership episode, but we are very, very fortunate that we have partnerships that have, I wouldn't say 100% equal, but very, very fair workloads. But one of our listeners asks, did you grow up in homes where fair partnership was modeled or was it something that you had to work on? So Drew, I'd love if you started us off with this one. I'd like to understand what you guys define as fair. Mm. So fair would be, it's not always equal. So going back to Eve Rodsky's fair play, it's not 50-50. It's not 50-50 in every season. It's not 50-50 with every task. It's not 50-50 with time, but it's what feels fair to you. So if the emotional labor, for instance, takes a lot more energy, it takes a lot more capacity than loading a dishwasher, for instance. Mm-hmm. Would dishwasher be one check and emotional intelligence be one check? I don't know. But every single couple kind of has to figure that out for them as they go through that. Does that help answer it at all? Yes and no. I think it's just a very difficult question to answer because even can mean different things to so many different people. But I would say my childhood, my parents had their tasks and they were locked into those responsibilities throughout our entire childhood primarily. For example, we grew up on a dairy farm, so... That was a 24-7 responsibility for both of my parents, although my dad did more with the farm overall, whether it was in the barn or in the field work. So that was him and his job, barn chores, field work, working a lot. My mom also worked a lot on the farm, but in addition to that, she was the one doing all the cooking and cleaning and running the errands. So they probably each put in roughly the same amount of hours, if you will. And putting my fingers in quotes, but they just had very different roles in my childhood. Yeah, I would say mine was similar. So my parents are divorced and I lived with my mom. Well, I've lived with my mom my, my whole life outside of basically going to college and hanging out with my wifey. <laughs> but for a long time, it was just her and I. So I saw her do everything. She was superwoman, everything, I, anything you could imagine she was doing it all. But then when she met my stepdad and they got married, I really think I saw what a true partnership looked like, which I was very fortunate to see. I mean, they, they like yours, Drew, they think they split the duties and they felt good about those duties. Yeah. So I think overall, I, I really did grow up in a house that had fair partnership. But right now, I, I really think that for most couples, you're fighting against history. You're fighting against what has historically been done. And that change can be challenging for a, a lot of people, especially if they grew up in households that weren't as fair. I was going to say with Drew's answer, it's interesting because when I came into his life and saw his parents, like they have very like gendered roles. So no doubt they were both working really hard and both of them love their children so much. It's so easy to see. But his mom did, you know, a lot of the household stuff. But it was really interesting because even in the start of our relationship, when we didn't have kids, like Drew always did his own household work. Like he won't even let me touch his laundry because he likes it done a certain way. He does. So it didn't impact him in the way that I do know that it impacts some guys where they let their partner, if they're in a heterosexual relationship, they let their partner do all the household stuff that very much happens for whatever reason. And maybe Drew could speak to it. He didn't have that idea that I would 
I also was clear about it. Like when I met his parents and saw how they interacted, I was like, babe, I'm never going to get you a water. Like, I just want you to know that, like, if you're going to marry me, never, (laughs) I mean, hardly ever. (laughs) Like, I just wanted it to be clear. Like, I wasn't planning on being in a relationship where I was waiting on a man. I think for me, it goes back to my personality, just being tidy. I like to have order and nobody better to take responsibility for that than yourself. And I think having roommates, college, post-college, you kind of did your own thing, but you were responsible for your room or the bathroom or putting away dishes. And I think that just in your own laundry that just stuck once Amy and I started dating and carried over into our marriage. Yeah. And I remember dating some other guys where they would take their laundry home to their mom. So I do think that's a tangible point. Like have your kids learn how to do stuff for themselves because Otherwise, when they go to the next level of their life, they're not going to know how to do it. Mm. And they do need to take some responsibility for doing stuff, which is something that we need to work on more in our house because we know at daycare, they always make the kids clean up. Mm -hmm. And here we are at home just wanting to get to bedtime and not saving that 10 minutes of like, okay, you guys Mm. pick up because this is what you've, you know, you've done. So on the podcast in the past, we've talked a lot about the invisible load and unbalanced workload of home lives, which we're talking about right now. And one listener asked, they would love to hear your perspectives and maybe places that you think that you've grown in sharing the parenting load. So Drew, I'll have you start. Yeah, I'll start by saying that I think it's okay and perfectly healthy to have divided responsibilities, especially if both partners are on the same page with it. I think if you can do what you like and are good at versus things that you hate and suck at that your partner might be better versed for, by all means, divide those responsibilities. I think everyone will be happier. But one area that I've bended more towards that Amy initially took on more of the responsibility was bedtime for the boys. I don't want to say it's something that we dislike, but it is a very time-consuming and exhaustive process. Where at the end of a I don't long even day, think our bad times are bad. Yeah, compared to others, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're probably not. But it's just a a time suck. Where at the end of the day, you want to do your own thing and relax, and instead you're trying to get kids down to sleep, and that's tough. So you used to carry the brunt of that, but over the past year or two, I've helped out more, and we just take turns now. Every other night, take turns putting boys to bed. I think that's worked out well. Yeah, I think there's a lot of places that we've improved in this. Like, for example, a lot of the world still, you know, the kindergarten teacher is going to call the mom, the doctor is going to call the mom. And our doctor now calls Drew because we just know Drew's more organized. He's going to make sure the appointments are on the schedule, like everything like that. Drew's taken that completely over. You know, he's responsible for the dentist. I might take them to the dentist. So we split from Eve's story, but he's going to always have the appointments because he's better at that. (laughs) Like he's going to keep our family more organized. So we really played to our strengths and Drew's taken on a lot more. So I want to give him that credit, but we didn't even realize how much responsibility came with parenting, which sounds kind of dumb, but there's just so many little things that you have to do. And I was just default doing them in the beginning. And then we were like, wait, Drew's way better at a bunch of this stuff. Like I need to give him it. Yeah, that's great that you're able to have that conversation and split it out as evenly as you can. Although it's never going to be 
the perfect scenario in 50-50. But, you know, Abby and I did something very similar. I think I talked about it briefly at another episode, but where we took all the tasks we do in a day, in a week, and we split it in half. And we um, proactively discuss which ones do you like to do, which ones don't you like to do. And of course, that's not going to be perfect because there's got to be stuff that you don't like to do. In, in those situations, it's how can I provide relief to the other person? So Drew and Amy, your example of taking every other night, putting the boys to bed. I mean, that's a great example of that. Even a few weeks ago, we switched roles with mm-hmm. that pickup and dinner. So Colin is mostly in charge of dinners, as he has stated, and I'm mostly in charge of pickup. And we just switched those roles for a week. It was a little bit of a screwy week because we had a sick kid, but it also gave us so much more respect for the other person and how many steps go into that and just the emotional toll that it can take or the amount of work that it can take. So that was a really good way of not working in our zone of genius. Like me making dinners isn't my strength. <laughs> <laughs> However, at the same time, it gave me so much more appreciation for all those little pieces that go into it. And I think a big thing here is also just the invisible pieces. So with that dentist appointment, for instance, like Amy, you brought up that you may take them to the dentist, but there's the, you know, finding it in the schedule, making sure that it's six months out, making sure that daycare knows that they are going to be picked up at this certain time. There's so many working parts of it. Maybe afterwards there's picking up the prescription. If, if it's a doctor appointment that requires a prescription, there are so many working pieces to this one taking the kid to the doctor's office that just so many times goes unseen. Yeah. And I don't give you nearly enough credit for the things that you do in that regard, because you keep us way more organized and better organized than I could ever imagine. And so I definitely align more with Amy in that regard where it's not a natural strength. I find that I'm way more organized in my work life than I am in my personal life. Well, at least you've got that. (laughs) (laughs) And what all four of us have found out is that different stages, they bring out different challenges and they definitely bring out different time commitments. Like we both have kindergartners this year and there are so many pieces for parents to keep track of just in terms of this whole new grade school just in terms of kids finally being in grade school. And we're moving into a season where we have less diapers. Like that is definitely the fact, but there's also school folders and events and, you know, make sure to bring this on this certain day that we have to keep track of. So I'm wondering, and Colin, I'm going to have you go first. How do you two prefer to be asked for additional support? Not in the heat of the moment. (laughs) I think that's probably the first thing I would say. I was just thinking like even the other night we had some, things that we wanted to talk about at dinner. We went to a Mexican restaurant on the west side of Madison and at dinner, we brought up a couple of things that we wanted to talk about. And it was the perfect setting because our guards were down. It was just you and me. There wasn't a kid screaming in our ear as we were trying to have a tough conversation. It wasn't the end of the night when we're both tired and both a little cranky. Honestly, that was a great moment. So I think it's it, it really is about when and how you bring up a subject because there are better times than not, as we all can imagine. And so for me, end of the night's not good. If if you can bring it up in a, in a time where you've dedicated and scheduled some time or you've got some, you know, a one-on-one time, I think that's also a great time to bring it up. I think the other important thing whenever you're going to bring up a tougher subject with somebody is to truly sit yourself in in their shoes. And before you bring up whatever topic you're going to bring, like what season are they going through? What tough things are on their plate at this moment? You know your partner better than anyone. And so it's really about the words that you use and how you say them, like putting my arm around you 
to talk about this. It's not you standing over there and I'm standing here and we're going to go have this big wall in front of us. But no, this is our marriage. I want to grow in our marriage. I'm going to put my arm around you and we're going to have this tougher conversation. But frankly, we're in this together. So we need to have it. Those are all great points, Colin. And for me, it's pretty straightforward. I think as long as I get advanced notice, I'm pretty good with things. Just tell me exactly what you need and give me notice. And I will typically agree and follow through. What do you think? Yeah. And something that's coming to my mind too, which Drew and I have figured out is that sometimes the answer is not one of the two of us. Like we have to figure out what support do we need? You know, should we call your parents and see if they could maybe come this weekend, whatever it is. So sometimes it's not even the couple themselves. Mm -hmm. Cause a lot of times, you know, I think in the beginning we were like looking, it's you or I, and now we're like, okay, we've got, we're still building our Rolodex of babysitters. Like we've got to figure out how we can get support during the season. Cause we know that we need it. A quick break from our sponsor, Gooder. All four of us wear Gooders all spring and summer long, so it is our season. And I have Bosley's Basset Hound Dreams and a Ginger's Soul in my cart right now because I love these two styles so much. They can go golfing with you. They can go for a run. They can go on the boat. They can do anything. And the good news is that there is a one-year warranty. If your gooders break, you can send them back and get them replaced. This is huge for us that are active and also that have children because we know that sometimes sunglasses can get crunched. So if you want a pair of gooders, you can go to gooder.com. That's G-O-O-D-R.com. Peruse the many styles that they have and even try them on virtually. That's gooder, G-O-O-D-R.com. And make sure that you use the code HERSELF15 to save you 15% off your first order. Speaking of that and kind of like the village that you're raising your kids with, an interesting question that came through is about making dad friends. And I know that for Drew, when we had Max, he was one of the first of his friends, if not the first, one of the first of his friends locally, especially to have kids. And Drew didn't really have friends that had kids. And I was watching his experience and I was like, babe, I really think that you should make some friends that are dads so that you have support. I think it's kind of like a woman's lens to it. But when Drew has made those friends, I think that he could speak to how important it is. So I want to know, how did you guys go about making dad friends? Maybe this is already a thing, but if not, somebody could make a lot of money with this, create an app for dad friends. We should do it. Uh, you know, like what are the dating websites called? Like Bumble and stuff like that. I don't know what they are. Yeah. Dadfriends.com. Uh, here we go. DFF.com. So, okay. Nobody can take it. We're, we're trademarking. Yep, it's ours. We're copyrighted. So actually, Amy helped me a lot in this regard. She was the one who initiated outreach to a couple different couples at our daycare and through that, we've become really good friends with both the Addisons and Abrahams. So Ryan and Karosi, shout out to you guys. Thanks for being my dad friend. Uh, it has been helpful because I think at any point in your life, especially if you're going through times that are, are different, that can be challenging, it's good to have companionship with somebody who has either gone through it or even better is going through it at the same time as you. And you can share in your successes and, and challenges, but also just 
have another friend that's going through the same phase of life as you is helpful. What also at the same time was challenging for me is that I was seeing my friends who did not have children less frequently after we had Mm -hmm. kids. And that was hard because I was really close with uh, a pretty core group of guys. And that continued to be a challenge for a long time and still is to this day. And especially now that many of us are in different parts of the country. But one thing I started doing recently, and I'm not one normally for New Year's resolutions, but I did one this year, and that is to pick up the phone and call at least one friend a week just to try to catch up and see how they're doing. And that's That's been really helpful. Uh, Griffin, you're up next week. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, do you have this in a spreadsheet? Like perfect Drew Keeper style. (laughs) He said he actually doesn't, but he does have like his list in his head of who he's going to call. My mental spreadsheet. Yeah, I think the daycare friends, it's like, because I know women too are like, how do I make mom friends? If people have kids a similar age as your kids, like you've already got a big thing in common. So reaching out and seeing if they want to hang out, I don't know. I'm sold on it because it's worked so well for us. Yeah, I think, well, Amy, you did that with with the Addisons where I think you put a note in. Yeah. Was it Max's bag or their bag? Yeah, yeah. On the way home. How did that go? I put a note in their son's daycare cubby. It was Christmas time. I said, happy holidays. We would love to have you guys over for dinner. Here's my number. And like, there is that little part of you that's like, okay, is this creepy or is this okay? But they responded right away. And then the mom, Alina, and I started talking. And then we connected Drew and Ryan, like gave their phone numbers because they would talk through us and we're like, okay, we just need to connect you. And then Colin has gotten introduced into the group. So it's like networking. It really is. Yeah. Like if I would have just gone up to Ryan at daycare and said, Hey, do you want to be my dad friend? How do you, how do you think it would have, it probably would have worked out because he's super cool and probably just wanted to be nice to me. But it was really helpful that Amy took that initiative. And I think a lot of families and people are in the same position where they just, especially if they're not from the area originally, it's helpful to have that companionship. Yeah. Like now on a Saturday, just the other Saturday, all six of us. And our kids got together and the adults get to eat. Our kids are getting a little bit older. Most of them could play in the basement and we have some real connection. So it's been really, really awesome. Colin, how about for you? Have you made dad friends and how did you do it? I would say Abby will agree that this is an area that I could get better. I don't know what it is. I don't know if if I am trying to protect my time a bit more. Because like Drew, I had some core friends from high school and college, but none of them live nearby and most of them have kids. So they are, you know, dad friends, but it's hard during the weeks and and how busy the seasons are, especially with young kids. So this is an area where I don't think that I've been as proactive in that area like you have and, and as Drew has been. I would say like my best friend is Drew. And it's going to be Ryan. And now we all live in Wanakee and we've got friends that are hanging out. Like, that's like, <laughs> you're my guy, Blue. Yeah. <laughs> you're my guy. <laughs> and so I, I think that's been uh, such a blessing for me to have the Kiefer's and the Addison's and some of these other friends because it's so much more fun to hang out. Yeah. When we can kind of co parent. I was telling Abby this after that Saturday night we had together. I'm like, it's so much fun to be able to 
get them all together because then they can play together. We can mm-hmm. hang out and we can all kind of parent right. each other's kids. Well, right. It's it's good in two ways. One, like we can still have our guys time. Like we went to a Badgers football game this fall and then had a great time. Some would say too good of a time. But then bringing the, the couples together <laughs> and having a Saturday afternoon or evening where everybody in the family can just say yes and and stop on over. You're all experiencing that together. And I think having both sides of it is especially helpful. Yeah. So if you're that partner or your spouse is that partner that that is a little bit more shy, maybe like me or a little bit more protective of your time a bit more, Mm -hmm. definitely would encourage you to to reach out and have that slightly awkward moment where you ask the question. We had a friendship expert on and she talked about locationships. So I think a big holdup that Drew was having is he has such good friends, good men in his life. But guess what? None of them live here. Yeah. Well, a few of them do, but a small percentage. Okay. Billy (laughs) lives here. So I was like, babe, I really think you need some friends that are actually here because otherwise who you're not going to be able to go, you know, to a football game, whatever you want to do. It's like you need some friends around. So I think that's a a holdup for a lot of people is they need to make some friends that are actually where they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless you become a gamer like me. Oh my <laughs> Honestly, I'm, not, I'm only going to bring up the gaming subject once. That is the reason why I play games is to connect with all of those buddies. But it is so different because you're on a headset. You don't have your kids all playing together. And so I am so thankful that we have our dad group here. Agreed. And a quick break from our sponsor, which is Rothy's. Rothy's could be your new everyday shoe obsession. Rothy's shoes, they give you the right out of the box comfort. They come in so many amazing styles, so many amazing colors, and you can wash them. So it's so easy to see why millions of women wear Rothy's shoes every single day. You may have heard Amy and I talk about the point before and the flat, but they also make insanely comfortable sneakers, loafers, ankle boots, and more. And the best part is everything Rothy's makes, it's better for the planet. They've repurposed millions of water bottles into their signature thread, and that goes into every single one of their products. The shoes feel great. Right away, you won't be getting those blisters. I love how you can wash them, and they're so durable. Wash after wash, wear after wear, you're going to have the same great shoe. So you are able to get $20 off your first purchase by going to rothys.com slash herself. Again, for our listeners, $20 off at rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash herself. Okay, so the next question that came in was about the importance of splitting sick days. I think that a lot of people that have kids and careers run into this. So for Drew and I at first, and I've told this before, like I was taking so many of the sick days on, but it was my choice. I was white knuckling our sick days because especially when the boys were babies, I really felt like I needed to be there. I was breastfeeding. That made them feel better. But now we've really grown in this area where Drew and I pretty much split the sick days. And one thing that I wanted to mention, it's been really heartwarming because Drew has told me multiple times how good those days are for his relationship with our boys. Our boys kind of tend towards mom a lot of the times. But on those days, Drew is the one that gets to know them better, gets to comfort them, gets to be there for them. So Drew, I wanted you to go first and talk about the importance of splitting sick days. Yeah. Both you and your spouse have careers. I think that's 
a very fair way to do it. And as Amy mentioned, it's been helpful in my growth and relationships with my children, but also with Amy. And I think she's felt less resentful that we now started splitting the days after the first year or two. Thinking back about those times, it was kind of a unique situation. And Amy, you're, you're not like this. You're not an anxious person. But that first year or two of motherhood for you, you were in a different spot. Yeah. You were like in this shell where you had to be with your boy or boys almost mm-hmm. all of the time. And you really wanted to control that environment that they and you were in, whether it was being home with them if they were sick or not wanting to go out in public just because they might cry somewhere <laughs> um, or, or getting out to just for some alone time or, or to hang out with friends. And I really had to encourage you quite a bit mm-hmm. for all of those things. And I'm, I'm glad it did. And I think you are too. And it's like, we send our kids to daycare from three months on. They clearly can drink from a bottle. So Max or Trey was sick. I know how to feed them with a bottle. Of course, I could be a very capable caregiver and I'm their dad. So there's no reason that Whoever the dad is, if they're part of the child's life, they can certainly help out. And I'm I'm glad that the sick days are never fun, but when they do come up, they're kind of a blessing in disguise. Yeah. I mean, there was probably a, a lot of things I needed to work through the working mom guilt. So like I felt very guilty for being away and it landed me in my manager's office because I was negative sick hours. I owed UW health hours. So it was just unsustainable. And it was until that point that I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to get fired. Yeah. You guys split it up. Well, it's interesting too, because Colin has the corporate job and Abby and I have the quote unquote more flexible job, but very demanding jobs. And Colin still travels for work and he has really busy seasons. So I'm interested to hear your answer. Yeah. I think this has been a challenge for us. Do you agree? (laughs) And I think what Abby's saying is that she's been the more flexible one and I have not been the more, I have not been as flexible as it relates to sick days. And yeah, I think for me, it does kind of matter of when the sick days happen and it's not necessarily fair. And so I think the one thing that has worked for us recently is kind of challenging myself to say, can I really not move this? Or is it something that if I really asked the client or my team that we could move something if I had to? And the answer is that in most cases, the answer is yes. And I think that's helped us a bit, but still an opportunity, I think, for us to do a better job of splitting the time. I do think, though, that there needs to be some grace given to the person that doesn't have as flexible of a calendar. Because... In your role, you do. You do have a little bit more flexibility in mine. I have a little bit less. And our careers are set up that way at this stage, but it doesn't mean that it's always going to be like this. So kind of in this season, mine, yours might have to be a little bit more flexible and mine may be a little bit more inflexible. So I'm kind of speaking on two sides of my mouth, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to say that it's always that way. So I, I... the first thing is challenging whether or not I'm actually flexible. And you've challenged me on that. And I have moved things to be home with the kids. But it's a work in progress, to say the least. Well, and this is also just a conversation you need to have. It's a really hard conversation. But for us, particularly, we couldn't have two 
corporate traveling sales jobs with three mm-hmm. kids, one having extra special needs with extra appointments. Like honestly, wouldn't be a possibility unless we had an in-home nanny or had somebody like mm-hmm. really, really helping out. So that was a conversation that we had to have. I was like, okay, one of us has to figure out something with more flexibility. At that point, herself was picking up. Like we had all these things on the horizon, Amy, and it made a lot of sense. Was it hard to lose that part of my identity? Yes, it was. Am I so glad I made the switch? Absolutely. Absolutely. Not only for me, but also as a family unit. So it just goes back to figuring out like if you guys are still having that issue and you guys are still running into, but my job's not flexible, but my job's not flexible. It might be a hard conversation of does there need to be something that is a little bit more flexible in this season? We had two kids at the time and I had a traveling job, but my job, a lot of times I'm there and back in a day, but Abby was gone for three or four days, nights of a week. And I've got two kids at home. One of them that, you know, still drinking from a bottle. So it was we made a, a hard decision. Yeah. Uh, didn't I mean, I encouraged Abby to go this route, but for a long time, it was kind of your thing, right? You don't like change as much, but it's obviously turned out to be way better and far better than you could have ever imagined. We love these conversations with you guys. Thank you for being so open. Um, one thing we do want to talk about is the challenging part of having three kids. So Colin just mentioned the two kids and now all of us have three children at home, which the demands of adding another kid I know that we definitely felt it. So, Colin, what is the most challenging part to you of having three children? Well, I I think they were all different, each kid. And so with Lucy, it was this this high on being a dad and not knowing anything. So the challenge was trying to figure out, like, am I capable? Like, there was a confidence building that was happening with the first child. And you obviously were taking primary and I was kind of second fiddle. And then when Micah was born, the confidence was there. Right? I knew I could do this, but now I had Lucy full-time and you had Micah full-time. And so it was, the challenge with the second kid was that the dad really, or the spouse, the partner has to really has to step up with the second kid. And so there's a little bit more responsibility, I would say, on that partner for number two. And number three, I'm just at the stage where it's just complete chaos. <laughs> it's chaos. And when Owen was born, then I've got two kids and you've got Owen. And so it was just, I think it's just a challenge of everything you talk about in these podcasts, which is finding time for yourself, finding time for your spouse, because you know, at the core, that's the reason why you're parenting. That's why you have three kids in the first place is for that unit in the marriage and to do life together. And so I think this, to me, the biggest challenge of three kids is finding time for yourself, finding time for your spouse. Yeah, I think you nailed that one, Colin. I really don't have much else to add. I, you share my my thoughts exactly. Yeah, it's a lot for anyone thinking of it, but it's also has its high points too. <laughs> yes. yes, it does. <laughs> the next question that came in, I'm really excited to hear the answers. Abby and I never know what they're going to say. Drew won't even let me look at his notes. He always tilts his computer the other way <laughs> when I try to peek. But how has becoming a father changed you? Simply, life is no longer just about me. I vividly remember this. One of my first days going back to the office after Max was born, I was changing his diaper that morning before work. And I just thought, I want the world for you, buddy. I want you to be financially secure. I want you to feel loved. I... Just want you to be in a home where you feel like you have people around you that want to be around you and want the best for you. 
I'm actually tearing up right now. That never happens. <laughs> uh, sorry, guys. I love you, buddy. And thank you. Appreciate that. You know, before Max was born, we were just all kind of doing our own things, and, and me included. I was motivated to work because I wanted to make money for myself, for Amy and I. I wanted to grow in my professional career. I wanted to climb that corporate ladder. But once Max was born, that changed overnight. It really did. I had a whole different motivation on my why. And that was no longer about improving me, but improving my family and then most notably Max and then each subsequent child, Trey and Cole thereafter. They were the reason for doing what you do each day and getting out of bed. I don't think I can <laughs> say anything better or different, Drew. I think that was well said, buddy. Yeah, I, I think kids give us real purpose, especially I mean, of course, especially as moms, but dads too. And it's nice to know that you're not the only person that you've got to take care of. I think life can be really hard and having kids to be able to mold and to grow up with and to teach is a really big blessing. That was really cool because, you know, I hadn't heard Drew answer a question like that before. And I don't think that we really ask dads those questions and part of having you two on, especially because you're both so honest, is like we get to see this other side of you. And that can also like soften you towards your partner when you hear that answer. Because on the day to day, you know, if you're seeing or you're focusing, I should say, on maybe something like impatience, circling back and being like, okay, we really are on the same page with this. And it's hard right now, but like, how can we ground into that? Yeah. I think one thing that's been really great about having kids is that it's made me more patient with people in general. I just think there's so much that goes on in, in the day-to-day lives of the people that you interact with, mm. whether that's at work or at home. My mom and dad, it's given me a whole new appreciation for life in general and just seeing how challenging times can be. And it's giving me a, a whole new perspective. Yeah, I think the first time you you hold that baby boy or baby girl, like that is when you first realize life will never, ever be the same in a good way. And your priorities do a 180. It kind of goes back to the idea of for a lot of women, it starts changing when you're pregnant because you're so connected to the baby. It's inside of you. But for men, sometimes it's that when the baby's on the outside and it's actually this tangible little baby that they can see. Definitely. Both of your answers, we were just like laughing and giggling. And then we just you know started tearing up and choking up with those and just your vulnerability to be able to share what's behind the curtain. Um, because this parenting thing is hard. Like there's a lot that goes into it, but then we can peel back the curtain and just see what is behind it. And the whole reason that we're doing this parenting thing <laughs> in the first place, it just really, really makes us like love you even more. So thank you guys. <laughs> and because we're always learning and because we're always growing, we want to know from you two, what are you trying to improve on in your father role? Yeah, for me, I think it's going back to what I alluded to at the top of last episode is patience. As many of you know, I have a tendency to to want things done my way and, and want it done now. But if I go back to what I was just sharing about, 
once Max came, I had this desire to be a better person and a, and a role model. And if I can center myself around that and take time each day or each week to just think about what I really want to embody for my family, and that is to be a role model. And I think a, a positive role model is somebody that exudes patience and it's not a natural strength of mine. So I have to constantly remind myself of that. And I think nobody can do a better job of hitting that on the head than I can. Amy can't, my kids can't, my friends can't, but me internalizing it is where I make the most progress. So patience, it is a continued work in progress. I think too, like even more tangibly is that Drew's gone through seasons where he wasn't like working out anymore. And now he is been very consistent and he just knows that that really helps him. So if you can get back to things that you know actually help your patients, mm -hmm. it's really good. Yeah. And I think like getting back in the rhythm of talking to people that you would like to talk to that maybe you yeah. didn't because you're busy being a parent or the pandemic changed so many behaviors and ways of life for people. I feel like we're just starting to get back into that swing of things again. But it's not easy. You have to make an effort to do so. And knowing that there's going to be effort involved with the things that make you happy is, is certainly worth that effort. Yeah, I was going to say, what if the things that we think we don't have time for are actually the things that make us who we are and who we want to be? Yeah, I think those are all really great. There's a story that I read in a book that's called How Will You Measure Your Life by Clayton Christensen. It's one of the best books that I've read on life. One of the stories in the book was about a dad who was building a playset in his backyard. And instead of rushing to get it all done, he included his children in the process of building this playset, which took obviously a lot longer. But his kids would go back and go show their friends every day about the progress that they've made on this playset. And again, it took him forever. But when it was finally done, like it was this huge moment, huge accomplishment in all these kids' eyes. Like, look what I just did. Look what I'm capable of. And after that, they barely played on the playset. Like it wasn't, <laughs> you know, it wasn't this big thing. Like it's a great reminder for me that I don't need to rush through life to get to the next thing. Like for us as dads, like the point is, is doing life and being present with your children and and teaching them those life lessons and not trying to rush through the moment to get to the next thing. Right. And, and I feel like I'm guilty of this at times of just trying to rush through things and get to the next thing, whether it be dinner or bedtime or whatever. But I think that story reminds me of, of why I'm here in the first place, which is to, to be a role model to teach and to teach them values. Cause at some point they're going to have to make decisions by themselves. When you guys include them, like, I remember they were making spaghetti, Trey and Drew. It's like when you include them, they just feel so important and so loved. And like, that's what we're trying to do as parents. So we are done with another episode of Bring on the Men. We know that it's some of our listeners' favorite episodes. So I wanted to thank you guys so much for not only being on, but always bringing vulnerability and truth to these episodes. Always great to be on. Thanks, ladies. 
I love you so much. (laughs) Okay, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, we would encourage you to have some of these conversations with your partner. See if you guys can talk through these things, because as you might have felt and heard, I was crying when Drew was answering how being a dad has changed him. So that was so important for me to hear as a partner. And after you're done with that, if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it's so helpful to get our podcast out there even more. So thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. 